from the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. Pool with the ball, finds Clay Thompson, drifting left, turns, fires, a three, it's good! Clay hits another one! Dribbles left on Dodgers. Down the lane, to the rim, scoop the hoop, no help coming. Curry gets the lay-in. Wiggins puts it on the deck, he'll drive the glass, goes up for the goodness it is a successful challenge the Warriors will get the bucket by Andrew Wiggins and a fantastic dunk it's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas here we go on a Monday Cofield and Company Steve Cofield in the Finley Toyota Studios. Willie Ramirez getting ready for another Las Vegas Aces game. He is courtside at the uh, MUA Mick Ultra Arena. Busy day today. Busy day today. We'll get into uh, some women's basketball as the show moves along. NHL, the latest update in Major League Baseball. You know, the funny thing is we have a slew of racial slurs, racial insensitivity. So we'll get into all that as the show moves along. And, of course, uh, off-season uh, training camp, OTAs, starting to report this week for uh, everyone. Voluntary, of course. We'll have an update on who's going to show and who's not. It's the three on Cofield and Company. And Willie's all over the hottest property in town. The Aces went again over the weekend. And uh, like I said, Willie's courtside. Tonight, the Sparks are in town from L.A. What's up, Willie? What's happening? It is. They're getting set up. I mean, it's all the activity. I've never been down here this early. I'm usually down here a couple hours before, but not this far in advance. The work behind the work. The only way it works. Yeah. Oh, and you know, when you have the, uh, the arguably the consensus among all the power ratings, you know, the consensus number one team in the WNBA right now. I mean, you you got to put on a show. How good were they on Saturday, especially in the third? They looked fantastic. Broke franchise record, put up 38 points, and really played a cohesive game. Um you know, and and the thing is, is which we're going to get into in a little bit as we touch upon and get closer to tip off. But you know, the the continued play of Jackie Young, who was named um, Western Conference Player of the Week, um, she is just you know just phenomenal at both ends of the court. And um, I think, as I've been saying, the defense has been something that Becky's been harping on. But what they really got was finally, I think, one of their more complete games. I mean, outside the opener, um, that and that's something that they've been looking for. Especially Becky. Becky Hammond, obviously, head coach. Uh, NHL updates. We are following Gerard Gallant. So, Gerard's Rangers got back in the series with a 3-1 victory over the weekend against Carolina. But it got a little chippy at the end of the game, huh? Yeah. Uh, at the near, at, 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 Realistically, at the after the game, zeros up on the board. And uh, there's a cross check. And then there's a scrum. And then all of a sudden... Uh, um, Gallant is barking at uh, at uh, former Ranger Tony D'Angelo now with the Hurricane. So um, <laughs> I can't wait to tune in to, to the to Game Four. It's going to be physical, and I would not. It, you know, we've seen this, Steve. I I can't remember the matchups where, right when the puck drops, the 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 three sets of forwards they drop the gloves right off the puck drop. It would not shock me to see I, it. I'm going to say now, Gerard Gallant's going to start his fourth line. No, I wasn't happy with the the bull 
at the end of the game that they initiated. You know, we didn't do that when the games were close. We put, you know, they put their guys on. That's fine. If they want to play like that, we got the guys that can match up. I don't like it at the end of the game. The game's over. You know, we get we still got four games to go with those guys. I mean, they're not sending any message. We got the guy that can handle all their guys if we want to. We don't know. We didn't do it like that. But Tommy took a cheap shot of their defenseman, and we got a long memory in this. You think about things, and uh, might be on the other foot someday. There you go. Okay, pretty clear that uh, he's got Ryan Reeves, and if you keep messing with us, we're going to F you up. Well, and I mean, it, it's a cheap shot. That <laughs> Domi's taking a cross-check. The game's over, and he cross-checks a guy, Lindgren, who is already battling injuries, and he's sort of playing banged up. So, I mean, it, it clearly was a cheap shot. It's not as if, I mean, what do you, what do you throw in a cross-check when the game's over and you've lost? And, and you're hitting someone that's injured. So, absolutely, when he says... Um, we got the guy who can handle all their guys if we want right, to. Right, right. Uh, there, there's only one guy, and I think all of Las Vegas knows and misses who that guy is. Ah, we missed the playoffs. We missed the heat of the playoffs. Maybe we missed Turk, Gallant. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Kevin McCurman wouldn't say it. He's not going to say it when you asked him last week. Uh, let's give away some tickets right now. 364-1100-364-1100. Caller 7. We got David Blaine coming to town. First ever residency. David Blaine live. It's going to be at Resorts World Theater. 364-1100. Tickets are on sale as of this morning at 10 a.m. AXS.com or rwlasvegas.com. Again, caller 7 to go see David Blaine. The show opens in September. 364 1100. So around the NHL tonight, Willie, we've got Florida and Tampa starting up here in about 55 minutes. I mean, is there any chance that Florida keeps this thing going? I certainly don't want to bet the Panthers for the series at plus 900 down three to one. But uh, for a small dog price, do you bet on Florida with backs against the wall? No. Okay. It's over. Um, And it goes beyond the whole President's Trophy jinx in which we haven't seen. I think a, a, a team that's won the President Trophy in 10 years now, um, only two since 2002 have won both the Stanley Cup and the President's Trophy. It goes beyond that in that Florida just happens to be playing the two-time defending Stanley Cup champs. And a lot of people, I think, wrote them off because Vasilevsky, for his standards, didn't have the season that you'd be used to, a Vesna standard season. But he's still one of the, if not the best, goalie in the world. And um, you still have the core of the team that won back-to-back Stanley Cups. And Florida just can't match that. Their floor, their forward depth cannot match what Tampa Bay brings. And with everything in their favor and for the fourth game at home, and now we're seeing the Rangers fight and claw what could possibly sort of be a series elongated, the Lightning would probably like to get rested, get healthy, um, and, and get this series over with. I think it's done. The Avs and St. Louis go at it tonight at 6.30. Blues are down 2-1. Series that are plus 4.75. And now, if there wasn't enough life in the series, there's been more interjected or injected into the series with, what? Oh, St. Louis police looking into threats made toward Kadri. That's as a result of action between between him and Bennington, right? Yeah, Nazem Kadri went in, took Bennington out. I don't think that it was intentional. I don't think that he tried to hurt him. I just, it's you know, it's they're taking it to the next level. It's the playoffs. It's it's the guy who came in in January of the year that they won the Stanley Cup and where they were in last place in the entire NHL. 
the rookie goaltender that comes in and really just sparks the team and the rest of the, you know, Ryan O'Reilly and Alex Petrangelo and those guys, that they, they lead them to the Stanley Cup championships. And so, so he's become this beloved guy. Obviously, they're, go- they're goalie, right? And Kadri takes him out. It was a it was a it was a rough play. He didn't mean anything by it, but now he's being made threats, and not just threats, but racial threats. And so apparently, the NHL and police are looking into this. So after the game, Kadri's doing an interview. I think it was on NHL Network, and he claims that Bennington skated by and whipped something on him. Take us through the collision with Jordan Bennington from your point of view. What happened on that play? Just a loose puck. I, I just tried to get my stick in there and, uh, you know, just tried to poke the puck free. I think their weak side defenseman came over and kind of bumped me, and that's, uh, you know, what will cause the collision. So, you know, I hope he's all right. I'm not sure if he just threw a water bottle at me or not, but. <laughs> wow. The poise. Yeah. yeah uh, you... I mean, not much I can do, man. Not much I can do. I'm just going for the loose puck. All right. And it was confirmed that the bottle was thrown by two different sources, and they found said bottle on the ground. It looks to be filled with a pretty good amount of water. We got heat, Willie! We got heat! It's uh it's definitely these are two games that, you know, I'll be I'll be here at the Aces game, but I will have some streaming going on um, for that game. And then of course I'll be watching. I'll be in front of the big screen for tomorrow night's game with the Rangers and the Hurricanes. The the uh, the racist comments. The, I guess the Associated Press verified the Twitter posts that were sent to um, the official Avalanche team account and calling Kadri quote unquote Arab scum, referencing terrorism. Um, and, you know, I mean, I have Middle Eastern in my blood, so I always sort of my 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 ears perk up, my eyes get whenever someone of Middle Eastern descent and they use that that whole you know, back when nine one one hit, it was you know you're looking over your shoulder if you had a Middle Eastern any kind of background or you know if your background showed up and you go to the airport. So th- those types of things I sort of pay attention to. I'm not sensitive to it where I'm going to react and be like oh you know, but it's not right. I don't think that the guy tried to take Bennington out on purpose. And, you know, it's just it's another example of fans going too far. Coming up, let's get into uh, some attendance numbers reported for the Raiders. And after that, we'll get you all uh, juiced up for WNBA action tonight on ESPN Las Vegas, 630 pregame, 7 o'clock tip. Liz Cambage is back in town with the Sparks and plenty to talk about with Liz because she's always got plenty to say. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. News we bring to you, you can count on. You're listening to Cofield and Company. Friendly people who you can count on. For all the stories of the day to be seen, come on along. This is where you belong. Cofield and Cofield and Company. You like the new jingle, Willie? I do. I, when you said that earlier, I thought it was fantastic. Friendly it, it, people you it, can count on. It brought me, well, that part is a little false, but what I did like was <laughs> that, the... That part's the, a little false. The, 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 the whole 70s feel. It felt like I was, I stayed home from school and I was watching Price is Right and Match Game and, and, and having saltines and ginger ale, and the, that's the type of music you'd see in the commercials between. I'm thinking that's 80s music. Are what you? do you think? Well, that's where it took me to. Yeah. It took me to the 70s. I'm thinking it's funny. 80s music, but you're right. It could be late 70s. But it's uh, that era. You remember those days when you faked being sick and you stayed home and, 
you know, like I said, you had the chicken noodle soup, you had the saltines, you had the ginger ale, and then you had all the you had Gene Rayburn in Match Game, Bob Barker in Price is Right, and at high noon you had all my children. Those were my sick days. To go back 40 seconds, I missed like three <laughs> days of school. I never falsely called out. Oh, man. Never did that. You were, you were a bookworm nerd for real nerd? Beyond the nerd that we know you of? Maybe just a straight nerd, not a bookworm. Wow. I yeah. thought you were just a stratomatic nerd. Uh, that, yeah, of course. We're going to um, do a stratomatic tournament soon. No, we're not. Okay. That's never going to happen. Okay. You know anything we try to do? Generally will not happen. We line up events. It does not happen. And certainly a stratomatic baseball tournament has zero chance of happening. Can I just bring the board game in one day, like when we're on the air and we just, like during breaks, we just play and we keep track? We can try. All right. Cool. I, I have a feeling you're not going to bring it. And then I'll find it. You know, someone will be out that day. We'll be split up. It'll never happen. <laughs> we have enough trouble just confirming the bets we make during the show and delivering on them. So well, I, did, I did take the note from. Friday, we cemented it. I have plus I have, two and a half wins. I have the Chiefs minus two and a half wins against the Raiders. So yeah. you're in very good shape. Yep. Very good shape. Extremely good shape. Yeah, es- yeah. especially if Mahomes goes down for the season. Is that, is that, is that would need to happen? Okay. <laughs> well, I guess that would be the case in any wins bet with any of the quarterbacks, right? There's no, yeah, there's no disclaimer. There's no, you know, there's no, nothing negates this. Okay. Unless there's a COVID, you know, or some other weird, you know, some weird virus that it shuts down the season, which isn't going to happen. So, Willie, what do you think of this headline late last week? In first year with fans at Allegiant Stadium, the no-show rate was 14%. I didn't know how to take it other than the fact that, you know, the, the obvious in that the secondary market didn't do its job. It didn't, didn't you know, was unsuccessful because – Prices were too high. Um, but outside of that, I didn't know how to take it in terms of – because it's our first season having a, an NFL team here with crowd. It's the second season of the NFL, but, you know, first season there was no no fans. So I wasn't sure how to sort of take that percentage on the whole, like, well, they just didn't show up. Because, you know, being there, it's loud. And you, you don't really – you're not going to – there weren't empty pockets of seats. You, you they, That didn't stand out. Um, but it, it did tell me that – the secondary market didn't do too well. So you're not going to roll with vaccination demands, kept fans away, they protested, they did not show up? If uh, it, it, it could have, it sort of certainly could have lent to that, but I don't think that that's an overwhelming, like I don't think, I don't know if that's an overwhelming glaring amount. Like when, like this season at Golden Knights games, the glaring Empty seats that stood out. You could really see. I'd like to know what the percentage of no shows at Golden Knights for the for the announcement that we're getting tonight's crowd eighteen thousand four hundred twenty two, and we're looking going okay. There's sixteen thousand or something there. There's certainly not eighteen plus. You're talking about sold tickets. So why but, do you think it happened at Golden Knights games? I just think that they've lost their appeal. I think that the, I think people, you know, the, the, the excitement, war, the uh, the excitement and allure of having to be at a Golden Knights game to, ah, eh, we'll catch the next one, that wore off, you know, and I and, and and the prices haven't gone down. I know I'm a partial season ticket holder, from a corporate standpoint, with four partners, so those prices keep going up. Did you use every single ticket? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah yeah yeah. We and and I don't buy them to make money either. Either Jordan takes a cl- high priced client from the gym, or he gifted somebody, or a family member, or a friend. 
let's say you and the SOA, Willie, I want to go. Can I use your seat? Sure, okay. And you just pay me what I paid. I'm not making money off anybody. Well, the season ticket holders I know from the Golden Knights, they mostly held steady on their prices. Like they weren't just going to give them away. So either they got what they wanted or they didn't go. But I think you're right on the Raiders deal. I don't believe one in seven fans didn't show up on average because of vaccine demands. I think a lot of people held tight on their prices, and I also believe that in all sports, a ton of tickets are released to the ticket resellers and the secondary market without the fans ever having a chance to buy them. And I think those folks, when they put a price up, that's what the price is, and if no one buys them, no one buys them. It's that's it's very well possible. Because to a much lesser degree, and this isn't like a high-demand game, but I did go to the Pro Bowl – yeah. I was looking to buy tickets. I wound up paying what I thought was kind of a rich price, and then I get in, and half the place is empty. It was. It was. Uh... So I think a lot of people put their prices up for a particular price. Hey, this is what I should get. You know, the ticket resellers, this is what I should get. And if I don't get it, oh well. Well, um... so I think you nailed it at the beginning that prices were set high on the secondary market. Not all the tickets were scooped up. No, um, I don't think there's going to be much of a no-show rate this time around because I think ticket resellers will adjust their prices, and you know you're already getting kind of the the same buzz we had last year, where the, you're coming out of the gates. I think people are going to be smarter too. Like coming out of the gates, you're seeing prices just like through the freaking roof. I don't know if you saw the averages, but like Niners, Raiders, right? New Year's weekend, like right now, the average price is something. It's it's crazy. It's like north of 500 bucks a ticket. So we'll see if. Both ends, if the consumers wait a little bit and if the ticket resellers drop their prices. And I, the, the resellers, you know, if they're I, – and I, I didn't look this up. I mean, I, you know, I guess there's a couple people I could ask in town, especially to cover the business side of sports. But I never really looked this up. But as far as how far in advance – the greed that set in and what they were trying to make off those tickets and you know the opponent are they trying to sell I'll like to be I'll be real honest with you the uh when we did our draft for the Golden Knights games right when we sit down we do the draft we do a snake draft I picked the first Blackhawks visit on purpose and I kept saying that's going to be the highest price ticket of the entire season I don't care how far if they're vying for the playoffs whatever it may be the Avalanche the Wild rematches the Canadians, that's going to be the highest price ticket. You know what I ended up doing with those tickets? I gave them to my mom for Christmas. Nice. Because she's a Marc-Andre fan. So, um, but the mindset, obviously, you go in as a season ticket holder, I would imagine, especially if you have a whole package and with what you had to pay for P- P- uh, PSLs and all that is, you know, if the greed sets in and you're, you're marking those things up, you're, 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 you might get stiffed. You might find yourself getting stiff, and if you hold them too long, you got to know when to adjust. So I think you're right. I think you know it's it's a it's a little bit of a learning curve, and I think that the season ticket holders were, are going to know a little bit better this year, and they'll have to make adjustments, and they could still make a little bit of profit. Um, but um, I think it's more just that. I really don't think. Do you think how how much do you think the the vaccination played a role? Do you think that was a majority of the fourteen point eight? No. Neither do, neither no, do I. No, because I think most people, if they weren't going to get vaccinated, they would sell the tickets. You yeah, know, if that was holding ahead up of time. That's the because it would be you're staying out the entire time. You know, you're not going to any of the games or very few of them. 
Yeah. So you sell them. No, I just I think the secondary market got out of control and people are like, eh, you know what? Not going to pay 300 above cost or 500 above cost. Um, right now, the numbers look like this. Average Raiders home game ticket at Allegiant secondary market is 600 bucks. That's the average. The, and I was way short on the Niners game. Niners game right now at Allegiant is the most expensive ticket yeah. in the National Football League. Average selling price of $777. October 2nd game against the Broncos, $555. Surprisingly, the Texans. I thought that was the worst game of all the home games. Well, no, it is actually wants- is actually top five on uh, single game resell you know resell number around the NFL at four oh four. Everybody wants to see Brevin Jordan. You think <laughs> here in Vegas? I'm surprised by that. I wouldn't expect no, the Texans yeah, fans no, to no. I mean, to travel that much. Yeah, it's, it's, there's there's some there's some somewhat of an appeal, I guess. But you're right. I mean, I, I, and that's something that you have to take in consideration is the. Um, the road crowd and what they, you know, what they, uh, if they're going to travel with their team. Some NFL Network programming update, Sean, when it comes to the Raiders. I don't know if you've seen this, but they have players' choice days. Okay. So Max Crosby got to pick the NFL Network programming tomorrow, starting at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. He's got NFL 100 roundtables, defensive linemen. I'd love to see the explanation behind all these. He's got a 2009 game between the Packers and the Vikings, week four. He's got replay of the Super Bowl, last year's Super Bowl. Then he's got a 4 o'clock America's game, 1983 Los Angeles Raiders. That's a good one. That's a real good one. NFL's top ten Raiders after that, Al Davis of football life. And then 8 o'clock, L.A. Chargers, Raiders, week 18, last year. Good game. Yeah. Fantastic game. You know what's funny about that? It's is a classic. Austin Eckler also had a player's choice last week. He chose the same game where the Chargers lost. Well, yeah. I Maybe mean, was... providing a little bit of inspiration for week one, even though he came on with us and kind of soft-sold it that, uh, yeah, it's just another game. Not a big deal. Although he did say it should be lit. Does that mean it's a big deal? Can lit. you translate for me? I'm not, I'm not a user. A, a user. I'm not a user of the word lit. 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 It should be. It should be fire. So, or it's not even fire. It's fi. F y e, as they say. Fi is like same as lit. It should be huge, big, ginormous, large. You ran out of gas. The shiznits. <laughs> That's a good one to go out on. <laughs> The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today. Back to Shepard for three. The rookie, she misses there. But Jackie comes down the rebound. Just out hustling everybody. Count it. Everyone stands around for Phoenix going, what happened here? And Jackie Young gets the bucket. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. Big start to the season for Jackie Young of the Aces. Willie Ramirez is on the scene down at McUltra Arena. 7 o'clock start, 6.30 pregame here on ESPN Las Vegas. We've got all the home games play-by-play on radio right here on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, Willie. Jackie Young got, what, conference player of the week? Yeah. Nice. And uh, first time in her career, four-year career, and second ace to get that this season, along with Asia Wilson. Hmm. 
Uh, Liz Angeles. Oh, boy. Liz Angeles. That's terrible. Eh. Uh, Liz well, Angeles. Well, it, it, it was Liz Vegas for a minute. Uh, it was never Liz Vegas. Oh. Was it? I, I, miss, I missed that one. It might have been. Didn't she bail on most of her time here? I think she just bailed in, t- in general. Yeah. So, uh, Liz Cambridge is coming here. Uh, Aussie News noticed that. She's uh, moved teams in the WNBA, and the New York Times did a big feature on her. I don't know if you had a chance to read it yet. I was going through it again today. Very interesting stuff. But uh, Liz was a member of the Aces. She kind of hints in that story that she's never really felt comfortable anywhere and really wants to be supported. So I had no idea the Aces didn't support her. But uh, this is Aussie News talking about a lady who used to be one of their favorites. But remember, she dumped participation with the Aussie Olympic team last year. The New York Times did a double-page spread on her. Can you believe this, Caro? They love her in America, and they did Didn't not... Didn't read anything about Australia There was no story. mention of Australia. There was no mention of the falling out with the Opals. There you go. Biddy, uh, Biddy, Bitter. Party of two. Wait, did you hear the line in the middle of that? They love her in America. Yeah. Mm, not everywhere. Yeah, not everywhere. <laughs> not everywhere. She's, she's not beloved. No. I think in every city that she's been, she's either loved or hated. There's no happy medium. There's no, like, eh, there's no kind of, meh. It's one or the other with her. Here was part two of the conversation, and they get into details of why she quit the Aussie team. And this all started in that um, training game or the, the pre-Olympics game when you played Nigeria. And, and it's never really emerged what happened, but I've had it confirmed from a few sources. Is it correct that they were playing Nigeria and Liz Cambage was, had her feathers ruffled and she turned to them and said, go back to your third world country? And, of course, Ezi Maggabor is, uh, is originally Nigerian, a Nigerian who's now living in Australia and playing for your team. And as a re- result, there was a brawl that erupted. And since then, you haven't spoken to her. That is all 100% correct. Will she ever play for Australia again, do you think? No. There you go. All right, Willie. Pretty curt. Pretty brief. Pretty bitter, like you said. Yeah, they're, uh, they're not happy with her in Australia. So for folks who don't know, she was playing for the Aces. Uh, she bailed on last year's season, citing uh, COVID and also uh, mental health issues. This year in L.A. with the Sparks, her deal is worth $170,000, a little bit below the super max salary that she was earning here. And uh, in that New York Times story, she said, I've, well, she said, I'm at a point where I'm too old to be in places I don't want to be. Okay, I guess she didn't want to be here. And I've gotten to a place where I make so much money off the floor that I can take a pay cut to wherever I want to be here in the league. So for now, she wants to be in Los Angeles. We'll see if that changes in another month or so if the Sparks don't snap out of this because they're not good. They're on a bit of a losing streak. I will say this about Liz. So here's the thing. I was at the introductory press conference when she was uh, introduced here, and she broke down in tears. And she said that she felt like she was finally somewhere that she was welcomed and Mm -hmm. sort of welcomed with open arms after her stint in Dallas. And, you know, um, I'm going to sort of liken her to her, her persona, her character, her you know, I'm not. I'm not saying she's identical in terms of the issues, but to her, it, Josh Donaldson, to Antonio Brown, to Robin who? Leonard. Robin Leonard. Wow. She, you know, she has admitted that she's met. She's on medication for mental health issues. I don't know as far as if it's bipolar, like Robin Leonard, but she's admitted that, and she wrote an essay that she, you know she's dealt with mental health issues. There are people that accuse her of or have accused her of saying that, 
you know, she battles mental or uses it as a crutch every time she has a crisis Mm -hmm. so she can lean on that. But here's the thing, or to get attention. I've always said this. People that say mental health issues or or say they have suicide issues and people that say, oh, they're just doing that for attention. Okay, that's the point. It's either you're crying out for help. If that's the, if the, it, okay, if they're doing it for attention, then maybe you should give it to them. Not maybe in in an enabling sense, but maybe there's an issue there. Like Antonio Brown, he's doing it for attention. Okay, then maybe should, someone should care a little bit and give them not the attention they want, in in you know in in babying them and enabling them, but in some way maybe looking out for their mental health. If that means shutting them down, if that means... And I think Liz falls in that realm. I think that during her time here, you know, she's sort of someone that, you know, if she was going through it, she may have ostracized herself a little bit. The players always talked highly of her. They loved her. I think the Bill Lambeer uh, cared for her. I think everybody sort of embraced her. I remember All-Star Weekend when she had a breakdown. She was a guest DJ uh, at an event that she hosted. She admitted that she stayed out too late. Who knows what she did? I don't know. She didn't say, and I'm not accusing her. She's always been kind to me. She's always given me the time. I'd go in the locker room. She was cool with me. I'd see her courtside. She, you know, she, she'd always say something about my suits. My guy, what's happening? What do you need? She was always cool. We don't know what's going on inside of her head. So now it's somewhere where she doesn't feel, okay, I want to go somewhere I want to be. So maybe it just reached an ending point, and this is her, this is just what she goes through every so often. You have to deal with when you're dealing with Liz Cambage, just like the Golden Knights, have to deal with someone like Robin Leonard and his personality. I'm guessing you'll ask either Cambage herself or the uh, Agumake sisters about the Nigerian stuff. Yeah, if I have, uh, if I go into the post game pressure, I mean, I'll be here. So, right? I mean, the two sisters are key players, I and mean, one of them is a leading scorer. And I, uh, I, I will be. I would. I will be. Who's you know was part of ESPN Radio National yep. is also a you know a key player on the team. And by the way, um, Liz Cambridge's father is of Nigerian descent. So that comment about go back to your third world country is interesting. Um, I am out here today. Um, AP doesn't do daily game coverage for every single game. They handle it. Um, from the sports desk, and occasionally, if there's something polarizing, I think like if the if the season opener was here, not in Phoenix, I probably would have covered it because it was Becky Hammond. Um, but I am working on a project for Athletes Unlimited, and I'm going to be writing on Lexi Brown, five-year nice. pro, and who was electrifying in the Athletes Unlimited season. So she'll be here with the LA Spark. She's a starter. So that's the project I'm working on. I was hoping to see local Ray Burrell, but a knee injury has kept her in LA, so she will not be here. She messaged me last night and told me that she couldn't make it, but we'll catch up when she gets back in town. Well, we've got language violations all over the place. We had something happen with Kadri. Uh, the Avs and Bennington didn't say it to him, but some fans said something nasty to Kadri. We've got this case going back, uh, you know, a year now with Liz Cambage. And on top of that, we had something happen on Saturday with Josh Donaldson and Tim Anderson. We're still trying to sift through it uh, from a baseball standpoint. Uh, it seemed away on the Yankees because they wound up getting crushed in a doubleheader. So we'll get into baseball on the way back with our guy from wagertalk.com, the legendary. Smoking Dave, Dave Koken. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. Anderson to right, well hit. Judge going back, looking up, it's gone. Tim Anderson, a three-run shot, his fifth of the year, and the White Sox here in the eighth inning now lead it five nothing. 
He gives no Fs, and that's why you love him. It's Dave Koken on Cofield and Company. All right, let's talk a little baseball here on a Monday. Dave Koken is in, wagertalk.com. Tim Anderson with the home run there. Probably not the biggest story of the weekend, frankly, nor was the uh, doubleheader sweep on Sunday. But that's where we'll start with the Yankees and the White Sox. Dave, are you starting to see some signs that the White Sox get back to being, you know, a team that's on pace to win 90, 94 games instead of a 500 team? No, not really, uh, because they're still not hitting. Uh, in the second game, I mean, Cupid's pitching is an absolute gem, and they can't get any runs. They finally managed to, to score, but they're not hitting, and I think their lineup construction is a little bit flawed. I would not have Moncada hitting second. He's, I mean, this isn't 2019. Uh, however, mentally, getting that sweep will help them, but they've got to pick up their offense, or it's yeah. not going to matter. The Twins are the best team in that division right now. Well, they seem to be inspired by whatever happened with Josh Donaldson and Tim Anderson. And today we see a couple of stories. Donaldson, one game suspension and a fine. Then we also see Donaldson's going on the COVID IL. It says he's symptomatic, which I, I don't know, I'm a little leery on that one. This seems like a convenient you know, way for like two or three days for him to avoid dealing with the situation. What, what do you make of this? Uh, at some point, Josh Donaldson, I guess on multiple occasions, called Tim Anderson Jackie. And I guess that's a slur. I don't know whether it is or not because I wasn't there and I don't know the context to be honest with you, but I will say this. Uh, it's 2022. We know what the culture is right now in terms of whatever anybody says can be taken out of context, blown up or not. Sometimes it's not blown up and it's, it's legitimate. But it is 2022 and if you're not aware of implications with anything that's slightly uh, off the norm, as far as the comment's concerned, then you're stupid. And so I'll just chalk it, uh, that up. My, my impression on Donaldson is he's stupid. Yeah. Okay, what, did he think this was not going to get attention? Uh, and it, let's be honest, Anderson and, and Donaldson aren't friends. So Donaldson's comment that, you know, we're pals or something, that was that was BS. Yeah. Well, clearly they're, they're, clearly they're not friends if Anderson got all pissed off and went and told right. his dugout. And then Yasmani Grandal is standing toe-to-toe with him, ready to punch him in the face. And it's... Again, I, I have no idea how he – I mean, I think we need the tone and the context to know what uh, he was saying, what he meant by it. But here's the thing. Josh Donaldson's been in so many of these things. Yep. He can't shut up. No, I was watching Alana Rizzo this morning on High Heat on MLB Network, and she's, she's very well connected. And she wasn't shy about this. She came right out and said Donaldson is a guy who's not well-liked around baseball. Mm. He's not one of the, uh, the clubhouse good guys. Yeah. And – He's had some issues, evidently, with, with teammates on other teams that he's been with. He's, you know, I'm not saying he's uh, uh, John Rocker or something like that, but uh, or Aubrey or Huff, uh, but, but apparently he's, he's not one of the real good guys, so to speak. And again, that's what she said. Right. And she would probably know better than I do because, yeah, I, she's, she's been around baseball basically her whole life. Yeah, she was a day-to-day reporter with the Dodgers for a long time, so uh, a good get, no doubt. Uh, let's talk about the other New York team. I'm not saying the Mets are going to die without Max Scherzer, but it's a hell of a hole to fill for two months. Oh, boy. I mean, uh, well, their whole pitching staff's on the DL, basically. Uh, so they're going to have to hit and patchwork things together. But right now, I mean, so far, so good. Uh, Carrasco's going to have to continue to stay healthy and pitch really well. 
and it's not just Scherzer, obviously. DeGrom, McGill, it's a mess. So Taiwan Walker's going to pitch well, and they've got to hope these guys can give them innings so that the bullpen doesn't get completely worn down. It's, it's a tough place to be. It's not Detroit Tigers level when the entire pitching staff is on the injured list, <laughs> but it's not good. And the good thing with the Mets, though, is they've got a nice cushion right now over Philly and Atlanta, and uh, Miami and Washington don't appear to be good enough to contend. So they're in pretty good shape. Yeah, I was thinking about taking the Mets tonight with a plus price, but my God, even with Alex Cobb on the mound, I am just, I am mortified. They're only 22 and 18, but man, I swear the Giants seem to win in a lot of these spots with prices where it's bigger than I, I think it should be. Tonight's 145 against Peterson. Yeah, that's going up too. And part of that's Alex Cobb. Uh, he, was, he didn't have a good game last time out, but he'll probably bounce back here. And the other thing is the Mets are coming out of Colorado, which can be a little bit difficult. Uh, but on the flip side, no Brandon Belt for the Giants. They're 5-9 and nine without Belt so far this season. He's hmm. their most important guy, and they're not the same team without him. Good series opening up with uh, the Padres and the Brew Crew. Both teams are off to excellent starts. Uh, Machado is hitting 374. I don't know if you saw the list that I sent you, but the only guy who uh, – you know, 41 games into the season with the Padres, who's ever hit above 368. Like, everyone else on that list is Tony Gwynn. It's just Tony Gwynn. So, 374 is a hell of a start. Now, the problem, if you wanted to bet Machado for the MVP, the odds have gotten out of control at 3-1. to one. Forget it. Yeah, it's a, it's a terrible bet now. But do you think he keeps this up and is in the MVP race, say, in September? He's in his peak years. Yeah. Uh, this is when Machado's supposed to be at his best, and he's playing great baseball. And maybe he's... He hasn't said so, but I think I think he's probably considering that his shaky second half last year was part of the reason the Padres tailed off. Yeah. Uh, so I think he's he's really taken on the leadership responsibilities, and he's playing great baseball. That said, this isn't this is not a good spot for San Diego off a long trip uh, in terms of duration in cities, and first game back can be difficult. Uh, the tough part is the Brewers. You never really know what you're going to get out of Hauser, but he's been very good as an underdog. Uh, not trustworthy as a favorite, but when he's plus money, he's been pretty good for Milwaukee. And they're also coming off like a really bad performance yesterday that should have them a bit motivated. I know you're not a futures MVP player, but if no. I were going to bet MVP now, if I were shopping throughout the season, I wouldn't mind taking a look at Pete Alonso at 20-1 to 1 or Goldschmidt at 20-1. to 1. I guess I, I, it's something I really don't pay attention to. So, but I, I can tell you, Machado at three to one is not. A good no, it's bet. terrible. <laughs> but Alonzo's having—he's off to a monster start, and you know, funny enough, Goldschmidt was terrible for three weeks, and he's just caught fire uh, the last well, three weeks or so. Yeah, but it's May, and the MVP voting is basically based on what happens after July fourth. Okay. Because the voters remember who's hot down the stretch, and they kind of dismiss the early part of the season. So, to me, it's. Latch on to the guy who gets hot after the All-Star break on a contending team, and you might have your winner. So I love what books are doing now where they're adjusting the win total all the time. So if you want to jump in, you know, when a team's off to a great start, you know, fade them off to a, uh, you know, less than stellar start and jump on them. I wanted to ask you about the Cardinals. Their number's about the same. They opened at 85.5 wins. They're now 84.5. I still feel like there's a surge coming for the Cardinals, and I'm mostly basing it on the quality of the organization because every time they need someone – to step up, like they just brought a couple of minor leaguers up who are highly touted. It's like, hey, O'Neill either hit, you know, Carlson hit. I just feel like the depth of the organization should put them closer to 90 wins. Am I off? No, uh, and the division's not good because you get three 
kind of stiffs in that division. Yep. Uh, Milwaukee's really good, but the other teams aren't. Uh, and St. Louis, I, I think, is particularly with the fact that it's the the swan song for a few of their guys, Wainwright, uh, Molina, and certainly Pujols. Yeah. They're going to buy uh, at the deadline. This team's going to do whatever it takes to get to the playoffs this year. So I think there's a good chance to get to 90. But I know you thought the Tigers would be an improved team this year. Their totals already dropped by 10 wins to 68 and a half, and you you, you mostly chalk that up to the injuries. Uh, the injuries and well, the injuries have certainly hurt the pitching, but they can't hit, yeah. and I'm not sure anything's going to fix that. And Javier Baez is turning out to sh- he's illustrating that he was maybe a product of being in a really good lineup in the Cubs because he absolutely stinks with Detroit. <laughs> he's hitting 200. He still chases everything. Yeah. Uh, say it's the. His career path has been the same from when he arrived, and he doesn't have guys like Rizzo and Bryant to protect him anymore. He's the focal point of that lineup right now, and he's just not up to it. So games I played today, tell me, uh, tell me yay or nay. One's already started. Of course, I'm down one nothing. I took Colorado as a dog against Pittsburgh, and for what you know, for us is an early start. That was uh, Chad Cool and Brubaker. I didn't do anything with the game. Uh, Rockies coming out of the altitude. They've been at home for a long time. It's a long trip. And uh, the Pirates, as bad as they are, generally don't lose more than three in a row. Man, I want to fire against the Royals every chance I get. Did I make a bad decision, though, today? Grinky against uh, Davies, Battle of the Zacks, and uh, Zona is minus 120. That's coming up at 640. Uh, no idea. I, I think it's the, uh, it's the anniversary of Zach Grinky's arrival in the major leagues, by the way, which was sometime around the Civil War. Um, yeah, he pitches the contact, but here's a lineup that does strike out a lot, so it could be a good night for Great game. I'm not sure. Dave Koken's with us. Wagertalk.com is where you can find all of his stuff. Lots of baseball, tons of NHL. Last spot that I jumped on, uh, Phillies in Atlanta have basically had the same season from a record standpoint. It's Wheeler against Tyler Davidson. Mm, yeah. Small price on the Phillies. I thought it was Tucker Davidson. You're right. Uh, I did. Why did I say? I said Tyler, didn't I? He's yeah. the catcher. Tucker. Yes. Uh, well, the, the price is going way up. So the Phillies were a bargain, and now they're not. But the Braves aren't. Uh, they're a swing and miss team, and Wheel is a big strikeout guy. I think the and I'm not a props guy, but whatever the over K props is, I might have gone that way. Okay. Uh, what do you got in hockey tonight? Anything? You got uh, Florida and Tampa puck drops here in five minutes. Obviously, Florida fighting for its life just to stay alive in the series. And then uh, St. Louis and Colorado. Now you got this Cadre and Bennington thing going down. Well, I, um, on the Florida-Tampa Bay game, second game in two days, I would suspect this could be a high-scoring game. And the Panthers may as well just let it all hang out now because they got nothing to lose at this point. So I lean the over in that game. I don't know what to make of the Blues. Listen, Huso's had a great season himself, so I don't know that they lose much in goal. Uh, this is looking like it's going to be a pretty good series. I think the Avalanche might win, but I don't think it's going to be easy. I mean, for you, the ideal series now, the most exciting series, would it be the Avs and Tampa? No, I think it's Calgary and Edmonton still. Uh, they, they hate each other. It's okay. only 2-1. Uh, and I think uh, with the uh, propensity of a goal scoring, even though there wasn't as much of it last night, I think you're still going to see some high-scoring games in that series. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll get a 7-6 game. And I was saying with uh, with Tampa and the Avs, if that were the Stanley Cup final, that might be the best oh. matchup. Uh, 
I don't know. I'm not thinking ahead that far. Whatever it is, it'll be good. Dave, we appreciate it. WagerTalk.com is where you can find Dave's stuff. Dave, thank you. Okay, guys. Take care.